Hello and welcome to another edition of The Ordinary Elite with me, John McGovern, and my fellow Solicitor Advocate colleague, Mike Daly, where today we are going to have a review of our First Minister's record in office, the first the first Humza days. <laughs> uh, I think it's been uh, 100 days now of uh, the bold Humza, and uh, we're just going to have a look at uh, and a chat about uh, how it's gone for him. And uh, Mike, this is, I think, our seventh or eighth podcast, and we started off uh, discussing whether if the podcast became quite successful, we could hire a camper van, you know, <laughs> and we, we could did. head round. We could head round, and I was thinking after the latest kind of hums a dinger this week, I was just wondering if you fancy going to Orkney City. <laughs> I did hear that. Um, I've been to I've been to Orkney. Um, uh, for um for a holiday absolutely beautiful beautiful yeah. beautiful uh, set of islands i should say yeah. I, I never well, came ac- i never came across orkney city i mean uh i don't know if that, <laughs> if that, if that, if that i don't know if that was kirkwall um well, I, I, I worked up there for a while as well i loved it too and uh the thing the thing about it is you know they are quite you know arcadians are quite independent people you know they are, they are. independently minded they're kind of independently spirited and independently employed a lot of them and uh i don't think i don't think they take too kindly to humza <laughs> dismissing all the islands as a city but there we go it, it was a bit of an uncle joe biden uh, i mean he's been uh, doing a lot of these um uh, these uh, kind of um slips um yeah i'm sure that... i'm sure it'll help the 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 uh, humza's cause for them you know because they want to be part they, they want to go to norway now don't they well, they want to, and and they want to be independent, of course. And you would think that the SNP would be quite happy with that. But uh, apart, we'll apart... Let, we'll let, we'll let that city go. <laughs> um, so, anyway, there we go. That's his kind of another one of many gaffes. I have to say, Mike, that would be that. That's a feature of his the first times of days for me. What about yourself? Well, I think it's been a kind of a tumultuous and turbulent time. I mean, just thinking back, John, you know, just kind of briefly, you know, the highlights, if you like, of the last 100 uh, Humza days. Um, his former CEO, former treasurer, former leader, all arrested by the police and released without charge in the ongoing SNP financial investigation. And let's not forget, I mean, you made reference to the, the party's super posh £110,000 camper van. Of course, that's sadly still in police custody. <laughs> and you have to think, John, what a life that poor camper van's had. It's never really, apart from coming off the lot in it's England, just a, it's just sat. Um, it, it's never experienced the beauty of Scotland's countryside. Um, Must be pining uh, to do the North Coast <laughs> 500. <you know? laughs> Indeed, anyway. absolutely. But I think, uh, in all seriousness, the most, uh, for me, the most remarkable thing in the last 100 days, I think, is how Hamza Yusuf uh, has effectively binned or part most of Nicola Sturgeon's policy agenda. Um, think about this. It's almost like the, the bone fire of the vanities. Uh, the deposit re- return scheme is in a skip somewhere outside of Cumbernauld, I think. The Quangotastic National Care Service is unlikely, the, to, be recycled. <laughs> is unlikely to be recycled <laughs> anytime soon. It's in, it's in a bin. Um, the ban on alcohol advertising is, is gone. And, of course, the plan to ban fishing in highly protective marine areas is, of course, now sadly lost at sea. Now, some of these policies, I guess, um, 
have got you know the, the, the kind of the dead hand of the Scottish Greens. But let's be honest, these were all ultimately Nicola Sturgeon's program for government. Mm -hmm. And so, John, I wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. How you know, looking back at the the, the first hundred days for Hamza Yusuf, how can he get a decent break? You know, how can you get a decent break when your predecessor attracts more mm -hmm. attention than you do? Yeah. And and I, I was going to say, and I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I was going to say that Nicholas Sturgeon kind of almost haunts Hamza like Banco's ghost, mm -hmm. uh, but actually, you know, with all these press conferences that she does, I think mm -hmm. I think it's Hamza's choice. For mm -hmm. that to happen, because he could he could disassociate himself from the former first minister. He could cut her loose mm -hmm. and move on, but he hasn't done so. I mean, do you think he's 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 ever going to be able to move on? Uh, I think I actually think it'll be tricky for him because I, I I think what happens in the police investigation stroke prosecution will have a large you know, we'll, we'll answer that one, Mike, really, you know. And uh, I think either way, you know, whether, for example, Sturgeon is prosecuted or not, or whether her husband is prosecuted or not, uh, it's been a huge shadow over uh, Hamza's uh, first hundred days. And but it's the price he's paid, isn't it? Do you not think so? It's, it's he, I mean, I, I go back to a point I made in an earlier podcast. What did he know when he took over? And uh, he knew, certainly, you know, we all knew that there was an ongoing investigation into SNP's finances. We all knew things weren't sitting pretty. And it's just, you know, like many others, he had the option not to stand and not to take this on. And he chose, you know, yeah. the opposite. He chose to, to do it. So uh, it kind of surprises me a little bit that he has kind of quite subtly actually ditched a lot of these policies, hasn't he? And, and I, I wonder what his motivation is in doing that because he's he's sending Sturgeon flowers, you know, and he's rallying the troops to support uh, this suspect and quite a major fraud and embezzlement uh, investigation, if that's what if the police information is correct. So I'm really curious as to why, in the, in the face of it, he's supporting her, but politically, behind the scenes, yeah. he, seem, he seems to be more or less kind of distancing himself from a lot of what she stood for, and probably more significantly moving forward, a lot of what, as you touched on there, Mike, a lot of what the Greens, uh, you know, have introduced, for better or for worse, to the kind of political debate. And I find that actually quite interesting, because when he's interviewed, to me, he is an absolute master in saying nothing, just absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he takes 10 words to, to say what can be said in one word. And uh, incidentally, none of it says anything. Yet politically, in the short space of time that he's been in, in office, he has actually, uh, I think, has, uh, ditched quite a lot of policies. He's not come up with any policy initiatives, but he's, he's ditched what I think probably, by and large, were seen as unpopular uh, policies. And so, so I suppose that in itself, and maybe the way he's done it, shows a little bit of sophistication that I didn't really expect. Well, it's a conundrum, though, isn't it? Because, I, I mean, I absolutely agree with you that he has he has ditched, effectively, most of Nicola Sturgeon's agenda. Um, and I think that has been a good thing, if, if, I'm, if I'm honest. You know, I think that that's good for the country, because I think a lot of these policies were, were poorly conceived very, very expensive, not really adding that much 
in terms of making people's lives better, uh, creating lots of kind of, you know, like the National Care Service would be 1.5 billion to create a, a new set of quangos. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think that's a good thing. But I, I think um, it is curious, you know, that, that he's still kind of wedded and tied and and defends the former first minister as know, you know, know the not just one of the mm -hmm. but the greatest sort of European yeah. politician that, yeah. that 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 anybody's ever had in recent times. Think about this, John. This is what happened yesterday in uh, South Lanarkshire Council by-election for East Kilbride. Mm. Um, SNP lost and Labour won the seat. SNP pushed in the third place, so Labour pulled forty percent up, fourteen points. SNP dropped eight points, Tory up by six points. Okay, it's a low turnout, but that's what happens mm. in by-elections. And I have to say, in council by-elections, it's always historically much lower than yes. any other uh, type of, you know, Hollywood yeah. or Westminster by-election. So, yeah. <clears throat> but that is that. I think that is significant. I think you know, in terms of like the tide turning, the SNP going from first place to third place, I think is quite significant, you know, and that's under Humza's leadership in the last 100 days. And if you also just think about what's the general kind of position in terms of the UK, mm -hmm. well, the UK polling is showing Labour on a 25-point lead over the Tories. Yeah, I think it's, I think what, I mean, we don't know, I don't know what he stands for, Mike. It's kind of as simple as that for me. So whilst he might have, you know, uh, U-turned in some of these pop unpopular policies. Uh, at some point, he's going to have to come out and tell us what you know. What does he actually think beyond the usual anti-Westminster rhetoric, independence, all that? What is it? I mean, what what are, what are his economic outlooks? You know, we would Mark Blythe on yep. last last week, Mike, and and kind of you know I got a, a, a text from a pal saying he, he kind of just blew the economic case for independence wide open, you know, and and, yeah. and, and where is Humza and all of this, you know? And the, and he's going to have to come out and, and, and you know, out the traps at some point and say what he thinks. And I think that's possibly his biggest weakness because I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's, he's particularly, uh, you know, uh, a, a particularly con, a conviction politician, if I can put it that way, beyond the obvious kind of independence uh, issues and unless he does do that in my view Mike then these results like East Kilbride last night and, and I noticed uh, 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 Angus uh, Brendan McNeil said look the warnings this is another warning sign you know and you know he he, he actually was uh, lost the whip for, for alleging that the, the, the chief whip at Westminster was a bully uh, I think it was a chief whip he alleged was that, a bully. Well, that, that's and, and, right. So, and, and he lost the whip for that. But you can't, you don't lose the whip if you're, you know, interviewed under caution at a police station and a kind of, <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, but uh, but he was absolutely right. It's another warning sign. And, you know, you don't win elections by saying nothing and just being cagey when you're on the defensive, you know. I mean, I think Starmer's in a different position because the, the Tories are in turmoil, but... I'm just not going to win, you know, votes by by saying nothing on the big issues, and that to me is essentially what he's doing. I think that's fair comment, John. And I think, to be fair to Angus Brendan McNeil, who I know, um, he's been raising these concerns for some time, and yeah. and I think you know the evidence is that that, that he's been right. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. I mean, if you think about, well, okay, this is the first 100 days for Hamza Yusuf in power as First Minister of Scotland. 
what has he done? Well, the only two sort of particular things that I've seen are ones that have been produced quite recently. And that was an announcement of a fair deal for the private sector. Now, I'm not quite sure there's any substance to that more than a kind of, we're going to have this kind of new deal for the private sector. I've not really seen any particular, you know, substance in terms of what, is, what does yeah. that mean, right? Yeah. And likewise, the other big, when I say big, um, certainly it was announced as being big, uh, was this new agreement with local government in Scotland, which is to be more transparent, more inclusive, things that are all good in terms of, you know, the, the, the virtue signalling. But again, I'm not really kind of, you know, sure of what the substance is, because yeah. if you think about it, I mean, what I'm hearing is various uh, uh, folk on, on the front line uh, are saying that there's various plans being put together to reduce public services from local government in different areas, including, for example, homelessness. And it's hugely concerning. Whether that, mm. that transpires to be correct, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. But we've already had cuts to all these services. Yes, so yeah. so again, I mean, you know, no disrespect to, to Hamza Youssef, but that's his two big things. And I'm not really seeing any detail there that gives me any confidence. And I thought, John, I would I would pitch to you um the juxtaposition of actually the history of the 100-day thing in the first place. And as far as I have been able to find out, and there is some people that say it goes back to Napoleon when he was exiled for 100 days. Um, but um, <clears throat> I actually think I think it goes back to the 1930s, and it was FDR, yeah. uh, Roosevelt. So Roosevelt yeah. wins the, yeah. um, <clears throat> the US presidency in 1936. Landslide. Uh, uh, well, re-election. Well, he won the before that. The first I, thing he did was start to sell in beer, wasn't it? Again. Well, well, that sorry, that was that was his second. That was his second. Was his second. So <laughs> he, he he won before then, uh, and 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 the hundred days when he when he was elected. Um, you're absolutely right. It was to get rid of prohibition, but it was ultimately introducing the New Deal, and this mm. was the social contract in terms mm. of massive investment in 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 terms of employment and getting people back into work in terms of you know um a whole host of, of groundbreaking legislation he got rid of, he took america off the gold standard i mean that had caused all sorts of problems for people but so the the country the country was on its knees and this was the yep. great the great depression in the 30s and it's interesting of course because roosevelt ended up holding office as president for three terms um, and I think it was always the case in America that um, it was only a convention that you would only run for two terms. And then there was an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, I think, in 1951 to make mm -hmm. that obviously after Roosevelt. But to be fair to Roosevelt, he did the business because he stepped up for that third term when mm -hmm. we were at war um, mm -hmm. in the Second World War. So he was a wartime president. But <clears throat> the reason I mentioned this history of the 100 days is if you think about it, what Roosevelt managed to do was have a new deal. So, I mean, he came into office with a set of well-thought-out policies that were radical, you know, that were new, that, that, were, that were innovative, that, that were life-changing, John. Yeah. And you just sort of pinch yourself and say, well, look, you know, why haven't we got any of that in the UK? I mean, we don't have it in Scotland. Yeah. And why not? Yeah. I mean... Well, it kind of goes back to a big issue for me, Mike, which is, I mean, if you look at, for example, Humza's 
uh, track record, I suppose. I mean, uh, and 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 you know, Mary Black is stepping down this week, and I'm and I'm not trying to hone in on SNP particularly, but you know, in her job before before being elected, her only job apparently was working in a chip shop, and that's fine. I'm not putting anyone down for doing that, but it, you can't call it a wealth of experience. And and and, and Humza's uh, track record was after leaving university, he, he worked in a no two call centre and then became a parliamentary assistant to uh, Bashir. Uh, Bashir Man. man. Bashir yeah. Man. He was the first Muslim MSP. And then after doing that for a couple of years, he was elected in 2011 when he was he was still in his 20s. Now, uh, th th this is a this for me is really a really big issue because where is the experience, you know, where, I mean, FDR making these decisions, it's based on a lifetime and a wartime experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, where, where, where are we, why are our politicians, why is the presumption made that, you know, uh, if you've got no experience of any of the portfolios that you manage, for example, Hamza said transport, he said justice, he said health, the suggestion is he's failing upwards all the time. I mean, certainly, yeah. In, in, in justice, the hate crime bill was, you know, it's still not been enacted. It was a disaster, really, wasn't it? And, you know, uh, so only, you know, why there's no big ideas. At least at least the Greens have got ideas. Do you know what I mean? At least they've got, they've, they've got ideas because they've probably been formulating these ideas in the wilderness for years. And then all of a sudden, with a few thousand votes, they're in power and they've got real power and their ideas are emerging because the nationalists don't have any ideas at all. And part of the reason for that, I think, is because of the effectively the calibre of politician that, that now has emerged. And, uh, you know, uh, there's an interesting bit of research I was reading, Mike, by Amanda Goodall. She's a professor at City University. And uh, and it was on leadership and and. and you know, she was citing various kind of examples, but principally in the health sector. And and she was saying that, you know, her research shows and the empirical evidence shows that those with experience in, uh, you know, health or the sectors that, that, that they're working in that have got hands-on practical experience almost always will be the best leaders at the point where, you know, they, they choose to make the step up to leadership. And those who don't have that experience in that sector don't actually make good leaders. As, as I think the example she cited was the banking crisis, the banking yeah. crash, where all four uh, chief execs of the major banks gave evidence to a common select committee in the wake of the, the banking crash. And uh, not one of them, not one of them had, had any qualifications in banking. They weren't bankers. Well, John, John no. that, I mean, that resonates with our conversation with... Professor Mark Blythe uh, last week, you'll remember, because I think you made the point to Mark that where are uh, where are the te technocrats in mm. in the UK and Scotland in particular, and we don't really have them. And if you think back to say ninety nine, you know um, when when we started to build the new Scottish Parliament, that was a disaster. I mean, that was something that was supposed to cost what forty million, and That's it ended right, yeah. ended up costing about half a billion pounds. Yeah. Um, again, that was because the people that were ultimately in charge of it didn't have 
the experience and skills that you've you've alluded to. And, mm-hmm. I, and if, if you think about, for example, the latest, when I say latest, it's about nine years old, but I think it's the, at the printers is the tram inquiry. The tram, the tram inquiry. Mm-hmm. That's been over about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how... <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been on one of those trams? Mate? They're brilliant. They're brilliant. All right, yes. But, but God, I must have got on the, I must have got on the, the slowest one that they have. Must... <laughs> oh, they are slow. I mean, you, you, you see you see people, you see people with, with prams pushing a pram faster. But, 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 but it's a lot... It's an old lady with a zimmer overtaking the one I was on. <laughs> yeah, but they're a, they're a beautiful thing, right? But anyway, yeah. um, we, we won't but go They're well it. worth it. How much was it? <laughs> I can't even remember. It's so long ago. Yeah. But mm. but I think all these things are quite quite serious because um, you know the idea that that you can't even do big projects like that you know and obviously other examples we we can have we can point to various examples like the ferries for example um, mm. is it makes you think well you know why if the SNP have been in power for the last sixteen years where is the detail in terms of this is what we would do to make things really different. And actually, we've worked out the technical blueprint for it all, right? So that we can we can prove to people that this is doable and it would be wonderful or whatever. We don't have any of that. We just have a mantra of uh, if only uh, we had independence. And I think I think what's happened is um, that people have eventually come to the conclusion, and particularly so in a cost of living crisis, that that ain't. That ain't flying, um, and we 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 really need to be doing. So if you think about things that people really really care about, NHS waiting lists, education, the standards in terms of learning of their children and their, uh, you know, um, all sorts of things to do with ordinary life, and all these things that that are going pear shaped, people are. I think people have had enough. To be honest, I think people want to see radical. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't have big ideas and, and as a, you know, policy initiatives that are, that are at the end of the day, they, you know, sh- politicians should be trying to change the lives of, you know, the, 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 the citizens and, and, and the people that elect them uh, for the better. And if you don't have any ideas on how to do that, then what happens, Mike, I think is exactly what has happened to the SNP. Yeah. You end up developing strong voices on peripheral issues. Yeah. That, that don't really affect many in the in the country, uh, but because there's there's nothing else, because everything else is vacant, you know, politically in, in your kind of uh, philosophical outlook, then it becomes a big issue. And, and GRS was exactly that. And 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 then people start thinking. I was speaking to an old pal yesterday, who I haven't seen for a long time. We kind of grew up together, and he's big on SNP and and you know big on independence. Always has been. And he said he's you know. Said, what, what's this GRS stuff all about? You know, I mean, uh-huh. he, he hadn't heard of it. He really hadn't, didn't know anything about it until it became a political hot potato. And then you're thinking, but it only became that really because there was no big policy initiatives. There's no, there's no bridges getting built. You know, there's no infrastructure and getting getting developed in the country uh, because they don't think they need to. I think ultimately the nationalists think we don't need to. You know, it's no. not, you can we can just blame everyone else for the failings in the country, and I think you're right, mate. I think people are just saying, "Nah, we're not we're not buying that anymore." You know, think think about this, John. Just in terms of how bad things are, I mean, we've we've touched on things in terms of education, the waiting list, in terms of the health service. There's all sorts of problems and difficulties. You know, community facilities all waiting closed, libraries, swimming pools, um, all sorts of stuff like that. 
But here was one that, that caught my eye, and and, th- and this happened just, just I mean, I think it was the other week, and that was there was an attempt to extradite uh, an accused person from Ireland to Scotland mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. allegedly committed an offence, quite a serious offence, mm-hmm. uh, from the r- reports in Scotland. And here, the High Court in Ireland refused to extradite this Irish citizen to Scotland because... And this is, I'm quoting from Mr. Justice McDermott. He found that there was a real and substantial risk of inhuman or degrading degrading treatment should the court order the surrender of the accused to Scotland's legal system, that he would be put into a prison estate. I think he was probably going to end up in Barlini. He'd be, he'd be locked up, or, um, or Lomos. He'd be locked up for 22 hours a day with less than three metres of space. Now, think about that. I mean, you're a criminal defence solicitor advocate. You've done countless high court trials. How bad is it? And we know how bad it is in the legal profession, you know, in legal aid in particular. We know how how awful and difficult it is uh, for for lawyers that do legal aid. It's 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 it's, it's you know it's impossible these days. Yeah. Uh, but how bad must it be uh, internationally? that your country is regarded as being Article 3 uh, non-compliant in terms of inhuman and degrading treatment? Well, in my view, Mike, it's not the first time that uh, Scotland, uh, on issues such as these, you know, the convention rights, etc., cetera, uh, has been found wanting in the, in the recent past. This is embarrassing. This is, this is really, really embarrassing. And it's really... I mean, there's various issues. I mean, prison conditions per se in this country have been uh, wanting for, for, for quite some time with all those cases with slopping out, etc. And the, the conditions were really just inhumane. And I we remember, were one of the yeah. Last, we yeah. were one of the last kind of developed Western countries to, to, to stop slopping out, yeah. if not the last, actually. And of course, it was the same with I me. Mean, we've we've talked earlier on in this podcast and, and in the past about, for example, Nicola Sturgeon being interviewed under caution at a police station, and she would have been whether she did or not, we don't know, but she would have been entitled to have a solicitor present at that interview. Yeah, but that is a relatively recent development in Scotland, and it only actually the issue was only actually forced because of uh, a, a Turkish case at the European uh, Court of Human Rights and. Uh, Scotland had to change in 20, I think it was 2009, 2010, uh, had to change to allow solicitors into those interviews at that point, having been forced to do so following a judgment in a, in a, in a Turkish. So even Turkey was doing what we weren't doing in that, in that sense. And uh, the resistance at government level to that, and it, you know, yeah. inconvenience. Yeah. It was just inconvenient. This is inconvenient. You know, the idea that it might actually be moving towards a system that 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 would work better. You know, that we who wouldn't want who wouldn't want that type of thing. Who wouldn't want prisoners' conditions to be humane. You know, and uh, so it's not the first time. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, but these things will keep happening, Mike, until there's you know, th- th- there's there's never been a real uh, government in since devolution that has, in my view tried to honestly address some of the major kind of complications that are within the criminal justice system, and legal aid is one of them. Uh, you know, the bottom line is if you're wealthy and don't get legal aid, you will get a, you will get better and more thorough and more comprehensive. Uh, 
you know, legal representation than you will if you're on legal aid by and large, by and large. You know. it, I mean, it's a it's a grim scenario that you paint, John, because if if you if you just sort of think about the, the reality of, you know, with Scottish exceptionalism, we all often make out, uh, or some people make out, you know, that we're the best wee country in the world, and they're just taking that example of um, the right to have a solicitor when you're being interviewed by the police under caution. And it wasn't enforced in England, Michael. Since, sorry to interrupt, Mike. Since nineteen seventy-four. Wow. Wow. It didn't, it wow. didn't come in pace. Police and criminal wow. it Didn't come in in Scotland till you know we were. It was forced by the Grand Chamber, the European Human Rights on uh, European Court of Human Rights on this in twenty ten. So my my point is just simply this, John. We get dragged kicking and screaming to do the right thing um, mm-hmm. when actually we could, if we had the will. We could be doing these things progressively, but, but but we don't. And that kind of links us back to our, our conversation earlier just about we just don't seem to have any people in power that have got really, really good ideas. And think mm-hmm. about this. I mean, I think we're coming towards the end of our show, John. You've got an idea, Mike. Most, most of, you know yourself as lawyers. We're, we're long in the tooth lawyers. I mean, any ideas you have to develop things in your career or in your business. It's all based on experience. It's all based yeah, on yeah. your knowledge of the profession, your knowledge of the, the market you're operating in, the clients that you serve. You know, if you don't have any of that experience, you're, you're, you're just going to be... No, yeah, you, you, you're, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right because you see things in real life in terms of people's experiences, you know, if you're a solicitor, and you say, actually, there's a way to make this better. Um, so it's based on experience. I just say as we kind of approach the end of the show, then just just thinking about the number of um, MPs, Scottish MPs that are now saying they're not going to stand for re-election. I mean, I think I think at, at latest count uh, it was about five. So so it's interesting, you know, because because you would think if people were committed to the cause of Scottish independence, why would they <laughs> why would they be given up? Um, being a, a member no. of parliament uh, after no. after you know ten years, twenty years, whatever, I, no. I I I'm not quite sure the explanation for that. No. To be honest, I can't think of many international <laughs> uh, you know nationalist movements that <laughs> you know that chucked it. Yeah, we're just okay, <laughs> okay. independence movements that chucked it after a few years because they didn't like the folk around them, you know. In the yeah, it's not what, nice. What it's it, it's uh, toxic. It's horrible, and it's like know, I've been, I've been know, doing it for almost ten years. But you know what? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going home. I'm just getting. I'm just getting the bus up the road. So I mean, think, thinking. And P.S. I'll see you in holiday. For I'll see you years. Well, indeed. I mean that that perhaps is another. Uh, Conversation to have, but maybe just to think about is there a There's way? Some, some struggle, isn't it? I mean, you think <laughs> of, honestly, you think of the great independence struggles, even in the 20th century, you know, in Spain, yeah. and, you know, and, and you know, I, I yeah. don't, I don't I'm, ha- I'm having my lunch. <laughs> <It's a toxic. laughs> I'm on, I'm on, I'm on holiday. I need to take a break. <laughs> You know, from 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 oh, from, from the dear, oh from the mission of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I need to take yeah. a break. So, how, is the, how how Ireland gained its independence? <laughs> go, go go home, and, John. Go go home and sleep for independence. <laughs> no, but seriously, can we can we can we perhaps think about some what if we tried to sum up, you know, Hamza's last hundred days musically as a song. Uh, what, what, you know, and and we could actually think about what what might his next hundred days look like as well. You know, um, 
bearing in mind how things are are obviously very very challenging uh, for our first minister in terms of the the current state of politics. Have you got any thoughts on on? Oof. <laughs> I'll go first if you want. I'll go you're first. A, you're, a, you're a naughty boy, Mike. I'll go first uh, if you want. No, no. Well, well, I thought. I've just actually just that just came into my head because we were saying I thought pretty vacant with <laughs> the pistols. Oh, uh, helped by the Beatles. Nice. Give <laughs> uh, me shelter with the stones. Very good. Very good. Uh, Very good. But uh, and then of course for what's to come, the uh, talking heads are on to nowhere, you know. <laughs> but I've settled to sum it all up, Mike. I settled on. I yeah. settled on uh, the Muppets. Halfway down the stairs. Oh, that's actually quite a, a sweet song. It's, it's the <laughs> stairs where I sit. There isn't any other stair quite like it. It's not at the bottom. It's not at the top. This is the stair where I always stop. Oh, <laughs> that's like that's like listening to one of Hamza's interviews. You know, <laughs> come on, say something. You know. Well, you you've actually covered a few that I would have suggested. Oddly enough, All right, I mean, sorry and, and and we we um I, I did spring this on you. So what about um. I'll just give you a couple then. I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan, um, yes, oh. and as you know, so um, I'm thinking uh, a couple from Johnny. Um, uh, Boy for- called Sue for the, <laughs> the GRS. <laughs> uh, oh, you're anyway, on you're, you're on fire, John. Um, five feet high and rising. That's a that's a, a song. Uh, how high is the water, Mama? Five feet uh, high and rising. How high yeah. is the water, Papa? She said it's five feet high and rising. I, I do think I do think that sums up the electoral yeah. woes that that are coming for the, the the SNP. And I have to say, maybe finish on this one. This was Johnny's debut uh, single, and of course, Johnny yeah. Johnny recorded at Sun Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee. And if you ever yeah. get the chance. Um, there was an occasion where the microphones were left on and Elvis came in to the studio and Carl Perkins was doing some recording with Jerry Lee Lewis. So oh there's a, it's called, I think it's called like the Mill, the Millionaire's Quartet or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can get, you can get this uh, online, I think. So you've got Elvis, Carl, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash all basically uh, ad-libbing uh, quite a mm-hmm. lot of gospel songs actually. No. Uh, but so this one was recorded on Sun Records and it's called Cry, Cry, Cry. <laughs> Let me give you a, a verse. Uh, you're going to cry, 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 and you'll cry alone. When everyone's forgotten and you're left on your own, you're going to cry, cry, cry. <laughs> and on that note, John. Uh, okay, okay, Mike. I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck in full prison. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps dragging on. Well, you need to get the uh, or- orange blossom special, John. I, well, that'll get, well, you to, the, get you to yoker. The, the, the Irish guy that's going to be deported, he's, he's one I watch. <laughs> right, see you later, mate. Okay, cheers, cheers John. Cheers, John. Right.